is described in that word glory. And so we can't describe it. We just stand back in awe as we view this God this morning. This glorious God. And as this verse says, it is important, I remind us again, it is important for us to know you stand. As we, as we welcome you to worship this morning, we want you to visualize the Word of God being in the center of this room as, as it is delivered to you this morning. As, as more than that, that it is the very center of our lives. As the cabinet is opened and the scroll is taken out, and it has opened up to us this morning. The glory of God is, is unveiled just a little bit more this morning. God, know whom you stand. Let's read these two verses again. Know, therefore, being justified by faith. And so when we think about glory, it's not just beauty. It's not just the sunset or the high mountains or the ocean. It's not just splendor, but it's weight. It's heaviness. It's God is loaded with all of his attributes. And these verses doesn't even mention splendor or beauty. It mentions things like peace and having access to his grace and mercy. And rejoicing in hope. God is loaded in these things, and as we experience His peace, as we access His grace, as we rejoice in His hope, we are experiencing the glory of God. And I only share this to let you know that God's glory is so much bigger than what we oftentimes see in a beautiful picture. It is to be experienced. We all know that the glory of God is made manifest through Jesus Christ. And it's no wonder the angels proclaimed to the shepherds out on that hillside that evening, glory to God in the highest. Because Jesus Christ was being a, a born in Bethlehem, and God's glory was being made manifest to the world in all of these ways. And God, through Jesus Christ, is absolutely loaded with riches and attributes. And as we experience these very things, God wants us to experience His glory and to live out His glory in our lives. More than a beautiful picture of a sunset. More than, a, than just a hike to the mountains. God wants us to access His grace. He wants us to rejoice in His hope. He wants us to experience His peace. God wants us to experience His glory. When we get a prayer, we'll ask a prayer request. And Bert, Peter's, I think I'll probably be a prayer. Uh, anyone want to mention any prayer requests before we go to prayer? Kendra. I have two co workers. One of them just went through extensive neck surgery. Church, and another co worker who just found out that she has lung cancer. And she can't get to the doctor until the 7th, 55th of her. They're going to remove part of her lung. 
dark green. Number 52. Number 52. 
feel the need to speak about the songs that we sing. I rarely do, but this morning I'll take a chance to do that. Bart has explained to us a little bit about the glory of God, and I want to point out something that I think is important in this time and the thing I want you to think about it. It starts off asking us to worship and adore God. But the rest of this song is simply saying, asking him to glorify himself. We're asking God to glorify his name. So if you could think about that as you wonder what the head of these things, why don't we stand together?
You know, the faithfulness of God brought Jesus Christ near to every one of us. That's what we've been celebrating. That's what we've been commemorating. God came near. You know, uh, somebody studied the Bible, they said, really, there's only about 39 verses that deal directly with the birth of Jesus Christ. And there's over 700 verses that deal directly with his death and resurrection. Our tradition has been our family comes for our Christmas celebration. We traditionally read either from Luke or Matthew. But we decided to do a little bit different this time, so we decided to choose Paul's writing where he speaks of God coming near. So we want to open your Bible this morning, we're just going to read a few verses together. Philippians chapter 2. This is what we read for our family this year. Just a few verses. Philippians 2, we'll just start in here. About six verses. Jesus Christ, who, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man handled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him, and given him a name which is about every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in the earth, and things under the earth, and that every time should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In those few verses, explain Emmanuel, God with us, God humbled himself in Christ to become a man of flesh, infinite condescension, even unto the death of the cross. Mortality of flesh to die in shame and pain. Resurrected in power to the glory of God. The birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're not here to worship a baby in a manger. We're here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Amen? While we're here, it'd be interesting and a blessing to me to have each of you give a testimony of the blessing that you've received the last couple of weeks as you fellowship with other believers in your family. Let me just share this with you. Surely I didn't have any particular plans on Christmas Day. So we chose to Go worship publicly with other believers in a service together. And in that public worship service, we had wonderful messages about Jesus. 
But you know what most impressed me? What most encouraged me and how I was the most inspired? It was through a conversation with a middle-aged believer that I've only known for probably about two years that service. And she's had some really major life-changing experiences in those last two years. But she was so filled with the joy and enthusiasm in her relationship with Jesus Christ that it just bubbled out of her whole being. You know, I, I want to be like that. I wish I was always that way. She is bubbled all over with worship for Jesus Christ. And that reminded me of a verse, a couple of verses in Scripture. Read like this. Shout for joy, ye heavens. Rejoice, ye earth. Burst into song, ye nations. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Am I doing that this morning? The message to me that morning through that life was. That in all my experiences of life, my heart, my soul, and my spirit should be overwhelmed with worship to God. Did you comprehend those two verses in Romans 5? You know, when you think of God, you think of His Word, you think of His plan for mankind, there's enough simplicity in that plan that even a child can understand it. And there's enough complexity in that plan that even the deepest of theologians are unable to answer the fullness of all Scripture. God and God bless ministry. Now I wish you could have all been here in our opening this morning at 9.30. Our brother talked to us about salvation. Think of the simplicity of salvation and the complexity of salvation. Are we saved by choice or are we saved by election? We're saved by both. Great is the mystery of God and Godliness. When we preached here the first part of December, about a month ago, not quite, we took a text from 1 Timothy 3.16, and you might just turn there, just one verse here. Without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. And as we thought about that verse and shared some of it, we got the first three points discussed a little bit and shared. But 
God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, and seen of angels, but we didn't get the last three, so we're going to try to discuss those for just a few moments this morning. And we won't be long before you, but that verse has been on our mind through this season of the year. The mystery of Jesus Christ being preached to the Gentiles. The mystery is that that word is not his first mission. I'd like for you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 10. We'll just read a couple of verses here. Matthew. Remember, this is the chapter where he called his disciples together and he gave them divine power to go out to heal, to deliver from disease, to call out demons, to preach, and then he named all twelve of these apostles. And then he says, and he said, go, and then we're coming in here at verse 5, chapter 10, Matthew, he says, go and not, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into their city of the Samaritans and not, but go rather to the lost Sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his first mission wasn't even in God. His first mission was his own people, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the mystery this morning of the preaching offered the gospel to the Gentiles. Is not that the Gentile church replaced Israel in any way, but the mystery is rather that the Gentile nations and people were given the opportunity to be partakers of the nation of God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now I'll ask you to turn your Bibles again to the book of Romans. Going to go to the 11th chapter, and uh, we don't claim to understand very deeply this chapter, and it is a very deep chapter. But here in this chapter, Paul is addressing both Israelites and Gentiles in his Roman letter. And uh, I think we'll just break right in here in the middle of the chapter. And he's speaking to, to about Israel here in the 11th verse. He says, I said then, this is Israel, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And what he's saying here is that Israel still has a wonderful place the chosen people of God. And we, we are treated in that way, and we are to be respected that way. As you read on through the chapter, you will see that we, the Gentile people, were by nature a wild olive tree, but we have been given opportunity that 
God would draft us in, contrary to nature, into a good olive tree. The mystery of preaching to the Gentiles. Well, there's a probably a lot simpler language that Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians. I'm going to turn there. We'd like for you in your in your homework studies to just study Ephesians, the second chapter, to make the, the language simpler. Paul was chosen to preach the mystery of Christ to the Gentiles. You will see his credentials in some of his letters. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and so on and so forth. He earned his schooling at the feet of Gamaliel. And he was a, an excellent student of the Jewish law. He learned Judaism by intellect and reason. But he did not learn the gospel that way. Now, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Galatians. First chapter. First chapter of Galatians, let's just break in here about the eleventh verse. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ, verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Now, Paul didn't receive his teaching of the gospel by intellect and by reason. Not by a council of men, not in a seminary, not at a conference of brethren, but directly from the Lord as the Holy Spirit ministered to Paul in the desert by faith he received the gospel. Ready? Is the mystery of Godliness. Without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness. Paul wrote one of his letters like this. He said unto me, who am blessed and the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all women see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. The mystery of preaching Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. I want to ask this question. Do you suppose that Paul had to unlearn a lot of things in his head, so that he could bleed in his heart through the gospel? 
we set aside an elderly sister just a week ago for a little while. And uh, in fact, she's been widowed over 20 years. And she said to me, uh, she said, Gail, do you think I'm all right where I'm at? She's talking about the fellowship. I said, well, you, you believe that Jesus is your personal Savior, and you believe all of the, the foundational scriptures that deal with the doctrine of salvation, don't you? Yeah, she said, I think so. But she said, early in my believing life, I wasn't even thought I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And she said, I thought it was all right then, He said, uh, can you explain to me a little bit more about a personal relationship with Jesus? I said, will you talk to him just like you're talking to me right now? Yeah. You know, I said, I think, sister, you're right where the Lord wants you to be. You feel like that this morning? In your journey, the Lord's going to lead you from step A to B to so on. He's going to put you right where he wants you in his plan. You believe. I realize you need to be discerning the scripture and not be deceived. But as you search the scriptures under the influence of the Holy Spirit and pray God for direction, I don't think you ought to question where God is. Well, the mystery of the preaching, the timing of the mystery of the preaching. Let's just use one example. Let's use Philip. He was up there in Jerusalem, and an angel of the Lord told him, said, you need to move down south toward the gates of death. And when he got down there, the Spirit of the Lord told him, he said, now see that chariot over there? Why don't you go there and join yourself to that chariot? was a Gentile land in a chariot. And he was reading about Jesus, but he didn't know who he was reading about. It's a mystery to him. And so Philip went right up in there with that chariot, and he started off right where that man was reading, and he preached to him Jesus. And then it wasn't long, the Spirit of the Lord just talked Philip away, and he wasn't there anymore. The mystery was the to the Gentile people. Isn't that a blessing? Can you rejoice in that this morning? If you were blessed to have the gospel preached in the year. You know, Paul said that that's just foolishness to people, but by the foolishness of preaching, the power is there to save any and all who will believe and who will have faith. The gospel, we're preaching. Paul said the gospel, the good news, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Preached into the Gentiles. You know, several years ago, there was a sweet little old woman that lived in the community where we lived at the time, and she had been a part of a congregation that was dying. 
And you know, she said words like this. She said, uh, oh, Gail, I, I quit preaching about Jesus. You know, when Jesus is not the focus, he's not the main thing, he does not have the preeminence, likely. Paul said words like this. He said, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. For I am ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Jews and the Gentiles both access to the same power of the gospel. But you don't have to audibly, vocally preach a sermon on Christ to have a ministry with an effective gospel message for Jesus. About a month ago, we buried one of my contemporaries. A man for 15 to 20 years that I was privileged to preach together beside the same congregation. Last four years of his life, he was completely baptized. And for probably about the last 20 years of his life, he did not audibly preach any congregation. And earlier on in this change, he questioned why it was so. And in her wisdom, this was his wife's counsel to him. She said, the Lord has chosen a different way for you to present the gospel. I have a point telling this. You are called to preach the gospel, to present the gospel. Everyone over here has been called to do that. And it may not be standing up here preaching, but everyone of you have been called. Are you doing it? Are you preaching? Are you are you giving the message out of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Believed on in the world. Now, another question. Are you a believer? Do people know it? Are you as excited as that young sister, middle aged sister I saw at church on Christmas Day? Believed on in the world. You know, it seems ironic to me. The great big splash to all work. He came and the message was just to a few shepherds out on the hillside. They couldn't contain the message, so they went into Jerusalem and they, they told some people about it. And all that heard that good news wondered at it. 
It filled them with wonder. And then they told some more people. And then they told some more people that's still going on today. That's the plan. Who are you telling them? Is the world believing because of you? God so loved the world. And that's not the world system that's controlled by the prince and power there. That's your soul. That's the soul of every person he ever created. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. He didn't come here to condemn the world. No, he didn't come to condemn any world, anybody in the world. No soul he never created. He didn't want to condemn. But he wanted to save them so that they would have eternal relationship. This is the fact. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. But the tragedy is the world didn't know him. The world knew him not. He came to bring that hope that we rejoice in, and he came to set the captives free. To bring healing. Healing to the broken heart. What do you think about this? How many broken hearted people are there today? There are some right here in this congregation. But of the millions and billions of people, how many broken hearted people are there? There's probably a lot more. That's amplified with this time of year and other times that we know that are close to us. And I suppose that one reason hearts are broken is because of the choice of sin. But I think there's a lot of broken hearts that are not by choice. There's illnesses and diseases. There are relationships that haven't been healed, not because somebody didn't want to on one side, but they both didn't want to on both sides. A lot of broken hearts. People in anguish, dismay, emotional disarray. You know, the fact is that if I hold some of the broken pieces of my heart in my own selfish, foolish pride and do not release them to Jesus, he cannot heal my heart. I must be broken before him in order for him to heal. He's an example of a woman that he met one time at the Jacob's well, a Samaritan woman. She had a broken heart. But she was willing to be broken before Jesus. As a result, he went into her town and he preached there for a couple of days. And the scripture says that those Samaritan people heard him and they explained words like this. We know that this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Will I be broken before him? Well, the question, are you a believer? Is he believed on in your heart? Are you a believer? You know, in our journeys, the, the Lord continually blesses us with the new faces to learn and know. For those of you who may not 
know, or be acquainted with the way we do. We have a leadership conference every year, and this time uh, it was our turn to host it this year, a month or so ago, here at Cornerstone. And so there's some faces that uh, maybe I know the face, but I'm not acquainted with them, don't know the name. So I try to introduce myself and find out who they are, and there were a couple here that I'd seen their face, and I really wasn't acquainted with them, so I went up to them and introduced myself, and they introduced themselves to me as uh, Ryan and Kimberly Fingerice from the Bethel Congregation. And I don't know whether I'd ever met them before, but I'd like to see if any of the, any of the last names of maybe the spouse I might know. So I asked Kimberly who she was before she married Brian. And she said, well, you wouldn't know me. He said, I don't have a brother in background. I'm from the world. You know what I said, Kimberly? All the brethren were from the world. Not a one believer ever didn't come from the world. We all did. Well, I can read another thing Paul says. When he started house chapter in one of his books, he wrote words like these. I want you to remember this. We're all from the world. And you have to be quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins that quickened us together in Christ, by grace are you saved. Only by the grace of God I am what I am, and the mystery of me being able to be a believer is simply this. Only by God's grace and mercy and his love can I have faith. Salvation is by both choice and election. Received up into glory. Christ came from glory. He returned to glory. He ascended, yes. But how? Now he was seated at the Father's right hand in glory. He later lives to intercede for all of us. How did Jesus really glorify his Father by being received up into glory? Of course, he was one with his father who represented him in full, obeyed him in full here on the earth. But how did he really glorify his father? I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John. Chapter 12, Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And a voice came. 
from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and through his poverty he might be made rich. I'm going to suggest to you what brought God the Father the greatest glory as he received his Son up in glory was his submission and his surrender in glory. There will be no greater glory that you will ever bring to God or represent before a, a, a world of people who needs to know God than in complete surrender and submission to God. Jesus Christ had it all. And he gave it all up and he came to earth as a human baby to grow in the grace of Jesus of God his Father in his favor to take upon him the full weight the full punishment and the full suffering for my sins, for the sins of the whole world. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. His sacrifice was received up into glory. And bless your heart, he's not just in glory, he's right here today. Hallelujah for that. He lives forever. Reach out to others in the name of Jesus Christ. Without controversy, great is the mystery of God. I'd like to encourage you as you live life by faith. Just humbly at the word.